welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Julia. Hi, Lauren. Um, So uh, I wanted to let you know right off the bat that today's episode is going to be a real vanity project for your girl, (laughs) LT. (laughs) I mean, I would say that some of... Our best episodes are our vanity projects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, well, what I mean by vanity project is that it's um, very niche. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if many people will really understand what I'm talking about, but that's what this is about. Do you know just, how many episodes we've done? I know. Where we're like, <laughs> three people know about this. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, well, okay, so you know what? We have tens of listeners, We have Lauren. tens of listeners who hang on our every word, so this will be no different. So I, I wanted to do another music episode, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do another music episode about something that I'm passionate about, and... Um, Peter Gabriel Part 2. Peter Gabriel Part 2, I'm gonna, just going to do, um, I'm just going to keep doing his solo albums <laughs> until I run out of albums, <laughs> um, or he contacts me. Um, no, which would be, I think you'd be okay with that. I would drop dead, uh, from joy this time. Um, so today I've decided to really hearken back to a very formative time in my life. Um, a very, I would say tumultuous time in my life. Um, and so today my episode is entitled Canadian music for non-Canadians. So now I think you have to start with the stipulation that you, Laura Taglaferro, are not Canadian. I am not Canadian, mm-hmm. but I will say, and some I people play one on TV. I play one on TV. Well, <laughs> um, we are Buffalonians are sometimes considered Canada light because we are so close to Canada and we get all of their TV and radio stations mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like mm-hmm. they get a lot of our mm-hmm. TV and radio stations. Um, and, uh, a lot of Canadians work in Buffalo, mm-hmm. they commute to Buffalo and some Buffalonians commute into Canada to work. So there's a real cross, you know, it, there's a lot of yeah, synergy, if synergy, you will. if you will. I'm, I'm taking my fingers and I'm interlocking them in a symbol of, of synergy. So I will say between the years of 1998 and probably 2006, I listen to almost exclusively Canadian radio. Um, so I have... Was, uh, it, was it on purpose? Was it like... Oh, it was on purpose. Purposeful, like, this is my identity? Yes. I was like, 104.5, I'm listening to mm-hmm. Canadian radio. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they would play, like, American, mu- like, pop music. But, as you know, Canadian radio stations have to play a certain percentage of Canadian-created music. Or they will be booted. Or they will be booted. <laughs> Booted from I the just airwaves. Came up with that. That was very just good. Like that she's very clever. Contact us, Canadian Tourism Board. <laughs> we'll for work you. for free uh, as long as we get a passport. You can give us a passport. Um, but so I listened to, and you know what? I will tell you. I heard Avril Lavigne months before she hit the airwaves in the U.S. <laughs> to the point where, like, Skater Boy came to the U.S. airwaves, and I was like, I'm sick to death of this song because I've been listening to it for the better part of a year. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> It's a terrible song, but what Skater Boy? Skater Boy is a terrific song. Oh my god, I heard it way too often, and it just makes me crazy. And well, also, it's a real earworm; like it gets in your head. It's, I mean, he, Laura. Yes, he Julia. was a boy. She was a girl. I know. Is, can I can make, I it, make any it any more, more obvious? obvious? I know. So, to start out, before I like really get into it, let's talk about some Canadians who made it big in the U.S. All right, AKA. Oh, I didn't know they were Canadian. Oh, great. So we've all heard of you know Michael Bublé. The boobs. The boobs. <laughs> Actually, oops. <laughs> We've all heard of the you boobs. You know his you friends know. called him that in oh, high school. Oh, absolutely. They called him the boobs. Um, so Michael Bublé is Canadian. Avril Lavigne is Canadian. Celine Dion, of course. Uh, everybody knows that Celine Dion is, is, is Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, pure Canada. Justin Bieber, Shania Twain. <laughs> yep. Drake, he's very, very obviously and very proud to be from the six. Or Shout out 
Toronto. Shout out to Mr. Information for, for talking for, about Drake. For talking about Drake, yeah. And shout out to Corinne, who once dated Drake's cousin. Yes. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Closest I've ever been to a celebrity. Um, also, the Bare Naked Ladies, obviously Canadian. Very Canadian. Brian Adams. Yes. And who's not Ryan Adams. No, not Ryan Adams. Brian Adams. Who is also not Brian McKnight. No. This is my moon. <laughs> yeah. My moonstruck problem. Yeah, it's the, it's her real moonstruck. Brian McKnight actually from Buffalo, FYI, which and makes I think things he worse. Was on, actually, like, mass dancer or something like he that. He probably was. He had that once. He did it for fun. Yeah, you make a dream come true. Yeah, oh, not Canadian though. Not Canadian, but grew up near Canada. Mm-hmm. Also, the troubadour of Canada, Gordon Lightfoot. Everyone the loves the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is a classic song. Yeah, but you may not know that Sean Mendes is Canadian. I don't know if I could put Sean Mendes on. Don't worry lineup. about it. He sang a song called Stitches, whatever. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stitches. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alanis Morissette, I had forgotten, was Canadian. Oh. Um, so we started watching The Great North um, mm. on Fox, mm-hmm. and they live in Alaska. Yeah. And the daughter, uh, her imaginary best friend is Alanis Morissette. Um <laughs> But in the sky. Oh, so like she'll go and sit on her like rooftop and like talk to her best friend, Alanis Morissette, who's like a disembodied head in the night sky. And it is played by Alanis Morissette. Is it really? Oh, I have to watch the show now. I love that. Uh, But yeah, Canadian. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah McLachlan, Canadian. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. As you may remember, Nelly Furtado, Canadian. Uh, Hot Hot Heat. Do you remember Hot Hot Heat? That band? They sang is that, bandages. Is that older? Uh, older, like mid two thousands. Two thousand two says engineer Josh. Um, also, the weekend is Canadian. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that weekend. either. But the weekend, the yep. Weekend. And also, <sighs> Nickelback is Canadian. <sighs> I mean, it makes sense. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be talking about more in depth a couple of what I like to call border faves. So <laughs> you, if you grew up at the border, she is such like sparkly joy in her. I eye, love this in her you eyeballs right now too. <laughs> there are like four people that are like yeah that are like yes, their minds right finally, now. and <laughs> and I'm the avatar for the rest of you. You're gonna like this, okay? So I'm gonna start border faves. border faves. Uh, so I'm going to start with Anne Murray. Everybody knows Anne Murray. Everybody the knows Anne Murray. Yes. So here's Snowbird. Anne Murray is a Canadian national treasure. She's is this a polka. It had this is the beginning of it. There she is. Oh, that voice. Oh, absolutely. Kathleen knows all this. <laughs> She's originally from Nova Scotia. Um, her albums consisted primarily of pop, country, and adult contemporary, as you can hear here. Uh, they've sold over 55 million copies worldwide during her over 40-year career. She was the first Canadian female solo singer to reach number one on the U.S. charts, and also the first to own a gold record for one of her signature songs, which is Snowbird, which is playing right now. It's from 1970. Um, she has received four Grammys, a record 24 Junos, three American Music Awards. Uh, she is a beloved in Canada. Uh, she has won three Country Music Association Awards and three Canadian Country Music Association Awards. She has been inducted into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame, the Juno Hall of Fame, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and the Canadian Broadcast Hall of Fame. And since 1968, she has had 32 studio albums and 15 compilation albums. She just, this woman just does not stop working. She's also had several highly rated television specials, including Anne Murray in Nova Scotia, (laughs) Intimate Evening with Anne Murray, Anne Murray, RSVP, and Anne Murray in Walt Disney World. Do you have them all on VHS at home? Absolutely not. I never listened to Anne Murray, but... You know, you said she was a border fave. She is a border fave. My parents listened to Anne Murray. Probably not my dad, but I'm sure my mom listened to Anne Murray. 
Um, also on February 12, 2010, she was one of the eight Canadians who carried the Olympic flag during the opening ceremonies of the 21st Olympic w- Winter Games in Vancouver. Which Lauren didn't watch. Which I didn't the watch. Because the don't watch the Olympics. No, we don't. Um, she looks incredible. She looks gorgeous. Icy blue eyes. Her hair is white now. She has her signature uh, yes. like cropped haircut. She looks incredible. Um, she's also a longtime golf enthusiast, and she made history in October of 2003 at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, by becoming the first woman to score a hole-in-one on the 108-yard par 3 17th hole at the Kaluyat Golf Club. So, well, color me impressed. I know, right? So next, I'm going to talk to you about Jan Arden. <sighs> okay. I had to like mentally prepare myself for this. So is this a teen Lauren? This is a teen Lauren left, right and center. So Jan Arden is a singer songwriter and um, she uh, was all over Canadian radio. So this is a song called could I be your girl? So she is also an actress. She's originally from Springbank, Alberta. And her 1994 album, Living Under June, featured her biggest hit to date outside of Canada, which is a song called Insensitive. It was released as a single from the soundtrack to the Christian Slater film, Bed of Roses, which was number 12 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. She's got a great voice. Um, Her eyes are closed. (laughs) Lauren's eyes are closed and she's swaying. Wait, just you wait till I'm going to tell you about it. So... Her second single was this song called Could I Be Your Girl. Um, It had significant, consistent airplay on Canadian adult contemporary radio since its release. And there was actually a dance remix version, which circulated on pop radio at the time. Who does she sound like to you? Uh, Meredith Brooks. Mm -hmm. So this is from that album so this is very like 90s um also the sound the song run like mad was originally recorded to be the international theme song for dawson's creek um however it was only used for the first season uh and in 1998 respondents to chart magazine's year-end readers poll named arden the canadian celebrity most deserving of her own talk show um because she's hysterical so first we're going to talk about She's had a lot of tragedy in her life, mm. as people who are naturally funny tend to have a lot of like sadness. Her both her parents had dementia or as a form of Alzheimer's. Mm. Her brother is serving a life sentence. She's had a lot of health problems, um, but like I said, like a lot of people who have produced tragic art and music, she's hysterical. At the 2006 Juno Awards, to counter host Pamela Anderson's onstage appeal against maritime anti seal hunting. She generated cheers and controversy when she joked that her bra was, quote, made entirely of seal eyelids, which is a very, (laughs) which is a funny joke, but apparently people didn't love that. Um, In June of 2018, CTV announced that she would star in uh, a comedy television series based on her life, a fictionalized version Mm -hmm. of her life, just called Jan. Her name is Jan, J-A-N-N, two N's. Um, and as of March 2019, Jan is Canada's most popular comedy TV series, drawing more than one million viewers per episode. And at the 8th Canadian Screen Awards in 2020, she received a nomination for Best Actress in a Comedy Series. Um, here's the thing about her music. Jan Arden writes songs for people who are having just the worst time of their lives. Mm. Like, just these beautiful, like, sad girl heartbreak songs. And her song, Good Mother, I... Julia, I could not play that song for this episode because when I heard it for the first time in like 20 years, I cried. I sobbed at my dining room table. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now, guys. But I I cried. Good Mother is so so good. I'm going to make it the thinking music for the quiz because it's just... She's a great songwriter and her music is like so beautiful and so like heartbreakingly sad Mm. wishing that is also a great great song um so yeah insensitive wishing that good mother could i be your girl check out some jan arden is the insensitive song like (laughs) insensitive yep that's it yes that's it yeah i can play it for you here we go 
Here we go. Yeah, heard this. I've heard this. like i could see it in like an angsty like high school yeah like it's raining yeah and she's walking home yeah exactly so insensitive is not my favorite song of hers um but good mother is oh, it's just so good it's really good okay so we're still going with female singer-songwriters. We're going to talk next about Chantal Kraviatsuk. I know her. Yes. Um, she was born in Winnipeg. Uh, she is a singer, songwriter, composer. She's a pianist and an actress. And uh, she debuted in the 90s with her album Under These Rocks and Stones. Uh, it was released in the U.S. in 97. Um, and since 2003, she has co-written and composed numerous songs for other artists as well as film soundtracks. She had a song on the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yes, I was going to mention that. So um, you know her best, probably, from uh, this song, which is Leaving on a Jet Plane, a cover of Leaving on a Jet Plane. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say So this was the second single off the Armageddon soundtrack. Um, and it w- it's been featured in various and sundry films and trailers since. Uh, she's written for Avril Lavigne. Uh, she's written for Mandy Moore. She's written for Pitbull Feet, Christina Aguilera, uh, Josh Groban, Shakira, Britney Spears, J-Lo. Um... She has been featured on Drake's Over My Dead Body on his 2011 album, Take Care. And she's got a pretty distinctive voice that kind of borders on, like, baby a little bit. Um, Especially in her earlier songs. Um, And her music has been featured on the soundtracks for Saved, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, as you mentioned, Smallville, Uptown Girls, The Sisterhood of the Trivialing Pants, and Joan of Arcadia. Uh, and she is famously married to Rain Maida of Our Lady Peace, and they frequently collaborate on songwriting. And we'll talk more about him later. Uh, so, next, we're going to talk about Biff Naked. Who Biff? is Biff? Biff. Biff. B-I-F. Biff. Naked. Naked. Their real Christian name. Their, their <laughs> Christian name. So... She is, she is Canada's answer to early Gwen Stefani, I would okay. say. Um, her name is Beth Torbert. Uh, she's a Canadian singer-songwriter known by Biff Naked. Uh, between 96 and 2016, she was among the top 150 best-selling Canadian artists in Canada. Uh, she was born in India and adopted by American missionaries, and she and her family eventually settled in Winnipeg. So she's originally from Winnipeg. Um, after spending several years singing with several underground bands, she independently released a self-titled solo album called Biff Naked in 94 and I Biffacus in 1998. Yep. That's pretty good. Um, this is called I Love Myself Today. It's like early, like radio-friendly girl power kind of stuff. So her music has been featured in and on soundtracks for shows including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Moonlight, The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, Ready to Rumble, The West Wing, and Celebrity Deathmatch. Remember that (laughs) TV show? Speaking of the year 2000. Yeah. Um... She recorded a rendition of the Christmas classic "I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus" for MTV's I Total hate Request Live. That song. I hate that song, um, but it was their CD MTV TRL Christmas in 1999, and was also fe- also featured on the Ready to Rumble soundtrack with a cover of Twisted Sisters. We're not going to take it. <laughs> Um, which was additionally used as David Arquette's entrance theme when he was on WCW Monday Nitro. Remember when he like dabbled in wrestling? I haven't thought about David Arquette in years. In years. 
I mean, I'll probably... And now I just did. Yeah. And thanks, then, Lauren. And then he's gone. Um, also, Biff Naked is bi, heavily tattooed, and straight edge, and she survived breast cancer in 2008. Wow. So she's still, she's still kicking. She's still doing good. Um, I'm just going to start playing for you this song. And uh, What do you want me to do? I just want you to just... I just want your reactions. That's all. Okay. I know. Stop talking. Just start singing or whatever. You'll know it. (laughs) She is (laughs) she is rolling her eyes. She is rolling her eyes at Canada's best. I can't even say it. Like you boom, boom down. Oh, I have to tell you about that. So this is obviously Informer by Snow. Um, I didn't know this was Snow. Oh, yeah, this is Snow. So Snow. Where would I have heard this song? God, everywhere. It was everywhere in 1993. (laughs) Um, Wow. Well. I mean, I was listening to Prime Country in 1993. Yeah, that's true. So Snow is a Canadian rapper and singer. He is he was born Darren O'Brien, and as you can imagine, he is the whitest white the boy. Whitest boy. Um, so he grew up in public housing in the ethnically diverse district of North York in Toronto. And so growing up, one of Snow's neighboring Jamaican families called the Browns, they first introduced him to reggae, and they started calling him Snow or Snow White. Um, so with the help of his neighbors, he began borrowing and ordering reggae dub tapes to kind of perform over. And after he befriended Jamaican DJ Marvin Prince, he Prince began referring to him with a phrased backronym meaning superb, notorious, outrageous white boy. Yeah, which to his modicum of credit, Snow did not like accept. He was just like, that's just okay, <laughs> okay but like, right. but my name is Snow, whatever. So in 93, he released the album 12 Inches of Snow. <laughs> With feature, which featured the single Informer. So the album sold over 8 million records worldwide with the Informer single remaining number one on the American Billboard charts for seven consecutive weeks. And that song has been recorded twice in the Guinness Book of World Records as the best-selling reggae single in U.S. history as well as the highest-charting reggae single in history. Wow. Yeah. By the way, FYI, it's basically a stop-snitching song. <laughs> and the phrase, a licky boom boom down is not sexual but rather implies the taking out of said informer. Ooh, all right. Yeah. So I think it's like Jamaican Patois for that. Um, He was basically a one-hit wonder in the States, but apparently throughout the 90s, he did fairly well in Canada. I have heard you mention him several times. Yeah. So in the early 2000s. Yes. (laughs) During the course of our friendship. In the early 2000s, he kind of shifted to like singing, like Mm singer-songwriter singing, which was cool. And his album, Mind on the Moon, had a couple of hits, including Everybody Wants to Be Like You and The Plum Song, which which was my favorite of his. I could not find that anywhere except like a ripped, shitty version on like YouTube. (laughs) So check it out. The Plum Song, it's very good. Um, it actively references Informer at one point, like towards the end of the song mm-hmm. when it's kind of fading out. He just kind of gives like a quick shout out for Informer. Um, on January 23rd, 2019, Puerto Rican rapper Daddy Yankee released the reggaeton and dance hall song Con Calma, which uh, featured Snow. Okay. Um, and it has been described as a remake or a reimagination of Informer. So Con Calma is like the the Informer, I guess, like backbeat and like uh, music of it okay. is the chorus, but it's not the chorus of Informer. Yeah. Um, the single peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming Snow's first entry on the chart since 1993 and reached number one in the U.S. Hot Latin song list. And he's in the video for Con Calma. <laughs> and apparently he's, for all, like, he's a great guy. He's just a lovely guy. Good for him. So he is just a just a very Irish dude. And he's really proud of like his Canadian heritage and his Irish heritage and this yeah. whole thing. Like he's not pretending to be anybody that he's not. Right. He just happens to rap in a Jamaican patois, which now would not really fly, but apparently it was cool then. So, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of rappers, we're going to be talking about chaos. 
Um, Styled. How's it spelled? K-O-S, all styled lowercase. Um, This is a song called Crab Bucket. Took a trip on a bus that I didn't know. Met a girl selling drinks at the disco. That truth comes back. And I have to tell you guys, I heard these songs and it was like I was possessed. I remembered every word, every word. So this is Kevin Raritan, better known by his stage name, Chaos. Uh, he is a Canadian alternative rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer from Toronto. Um, Chaos is an acronym for Knowledge of Self, although in a later interview he said that it originally stood for Kevin's Original Sound, which is kind of cute. That makes more sense. <laughs> um, he started out in the industry in 93 after dropping out of York University with a single musical essence. Um, and former NBA player John Sally became his manager. All right. Hey, what which else is wild. Are you doing? Um, but Chaos suddenly withdrew from the music industry in 1996 after receiving an offer from BMG. And he would later say that during this time he had already completed several albums, but he was kind of dissatisfied with how it sounded and he just, just decided, like, I can't do this. He called it pretentious and derivative. And so he, was, he said he was still trying to figure out who he was. So in 2002, he released his debut album, Exit in Canada to critical acclaim. And then um, that album incorporated several musical styles and was described as, quote, a carefully blended pastiche of hip-hop, soul, rock, R&B, and a touch of reggae by Stylist Magazine. Uh, Billboard Magazine called the album one of the finest hip-hop records Canada has ever produced. And despite... What year? uh, This is 2002. Oh, okay. So, despite suggesting that Exit might be his only album, Chaos released his second album, Joyful Rebellion, in 2004, and that album was well-received and became platinum in Canada in February 2005. And the album and the second album single that we just heard, Crab Bucket, were rated the most downloaded hip-hop-slash-rap album and track on the iTunes store in Canada upon their release. Um, The first single was Crucial, which was re-released in 2020 as a remix by producer uh, Kei Trinata. So, that's a good song, too. Um, and now I'm not gonna, I mean, I'm just, I'm not gonna leave you hanging. We're going to be talking about Our Lady Peace. <laughs> uh, sometimes shortened to OLP. Oop. Oop. Uh, they're a Canadian rock band formed in Toronto, Ontario in 92. They're led by lead vocalist Rain Maida since its formation. The band currently also features Duncan Coots on bass, Steve Major on guitars, and Jason Pierce on drums. They have sold several million albums worldwide, won four Juno Awards, and won 10 Much Music Video Awards, the most MMVAs uh, ever awarded to any artist or group. So we're going to listen to Superman's Dead. Off the album Clumsy. You heard that song. We did a playlist in the car one time that was O Canada that was all specifically <laughs> Canadian artists. Yeah, yeah. And then we just kept saying, put this one on it. Remember to put this one on yeah. it. Yeah. So this is an early hit for them. Their early sound has been kind of compared to grunge bands like Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins. I confuse them as fuck. Yeah. Pearl Jam 2 is another one that they get kind of confused with. Uh, between 96 and 2016, they were the third best-selling Canadian band and ninth best-selling Canadian artist overall in Canada. Um, the most distinctive parts of OLP is Rain Maid's singing voice. Um, it's been called erratic. Uh <laughs> He sings in a counter-tenor vocal register and was known for his frequent use of falsetto. Um, however, in later albums, it, he kind of like smooths it out a little bit. Um, it's, their sound is more polished. Uh, their song Innocent was like their next hit. I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite line from that song is, she wishes she was a dancer and that she'd never heard of cancer, which every time I hear it makes me want to Lay in the street because it's just the stupidest line I've ever heard in my whole oh, life. No, let me tell you the stupidest line you ever heard. Please tell me. In Old Town Road, when they rhyme with, when they rhyme Gucci sports bra with Maserati sports car. <laughs> I almost spit out I my I get mind. so <laughs> mad. I get irrationally mad yeah. when I hear them rhyme sports bra with sports car. Yeah. It's like, 
Really? They don't rhyme. You you couldn't like pull they out the rhyming the dictionary all the time. It's always on like the playlist of our trainers, and I go and I go. It doesn't rhyme. <laughs> I'm wearing my mask, lifting weights, or I'm like on the treadmill, like dying. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. I hate that song. Yeah. I mean, not that I've come across innocent often in the past like 20 years, but every time I hear she wishes she was a dancer and that she never heard of cancer, like you just know Rain Maida was like, she wished she, she was, was a dancer and that she never heard of cancer. It's like, yeah. you know, he wrote that and he was like, oh yeah, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Cause then you can imply that it's like her mom, you know, or her hmm. dad, or maybe she had cancer, you know? Really open ended. Whatever. The one that goes, we are, we are mm-hmm. all innocent. Yeah. We are all. Mm-hmm. Um, FYI, I've created a playlist called Misinformation colon Border Favorites on Spotify. You can go and find it. I'll make it public. I'll post it on our Twitter so that you can listen to it. I've also, I'm also including like other songs that I've mentioned. Yeah. I just pulled up uh, my O Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. That we made. I'm just going to name some of the songs that we put on this. Please do, please do. Uh, I'm Gonna Get You Good by Shania Twain. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, one. Thank You by Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is by Celine Dion. Yes. Tom Sawyer by Rush. Of course. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, we're like jamming out to like Avril Lavigne? Yeah, we're like, and yeah, then the next yeah. song up is like a 28 minute dirge <laughs> about the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, Sorry by Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four by Feist. Mm-hmm. Gold Guns Girls by Metric. Yes, um, Metric. I forgot about Metric. Feels Like Home by Chantal Krabiasek. Pony by Genuine. Oh, I forgot Which I Genuine. guess we figured out he was Canadian for us I to guess put him on so. this list. The Hockey Song by Stompin' Tom Connors. Now that should be your thinking music. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, New Orleans is Sinking by The Tragically Hip. Yeah. Can't believe you didn't mention The Tragically Hip. Uh, Julia, I'm not done yet. Okay, good. Sorry. Uh, we have a lot of Our Lady Peace on this. We have like a lot of Our Lady Peace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fat Lip by Sum 41. Mm-hmm. I Hear You Calling by Gob. Is it pronounced Job? I don't know. It says <laughs> <laughs> that's, good. that's good. There's a lot of Our Lady Peace on this. Yeah, Party yeah. for One by Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, that's such a good song. The Oaf by Big Wreck. I think that was a yeah, Josh that, ad. Yeah, that wasn't um, anything. And then we also have... <laughs> okay, I believe it. Mana Mana by Mana Mana and the Two Snoths. Is that Manamana? Do, 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 do. Oh my God, it is! Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait. <laughs> How are they Canadian? <laughs> I don't know, but it's on our Canadian it's playlist. It's on our Canadian playlist. Ah, uh, sorry. I'm like... No, it's totally I was fine. Like, Mana, mana. <laughs> and then I look and it is from the Muppets soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess they're a Canadian band. I guess the they're Snopes. Canadian. It's a good. The two Snopes are Canadian. <laughs> Both the Snopes they're are from, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, the Great I think White that's North. That's canon. That's canon. Sorry. I'm going to call that. No. I didn't mean to spoil your ending. No, it's totally fine. I thought you were done because you said you had a playlist. Oh, no. I just wanted to mention that I had a playlist in case you were like, in case my other border folk. Are, are like, damn, I'd love to listen to more of this stuff. Don't <laughs> worry, I got you. I got a playlist. So, again, Rain Maida is famously married to Chantal Kraviatsuk. So, um, the next band I'm going to talk about is Matthew Goodband. Um, also, Matthew Good. So, Matthew Goodband is no longer in existence, but they were a Canadian alternative rock band formed in Coquitlam, British Columbia, in 95. The band consisted of singer-songwriter, guitarist Matthew Good, guitarist-keyboardist Dave Genn, drummer Ian Brown, and bassist Jeff Lloyd. Uh, they became one of the most successful rock bands in Canada during the late 90s and early 2000s. And they were nominated for 14 Juno Awards and winning the awards for Best Group and Best Rock al- Album in 2000. Uh, they broke up after the release of their 2001 album called The Audio of Being. And since they disbanded, Matthew Good has pursued a solo career and established himself as a political commentator and mental health activist. All right. Um, so uh, he himself has been nominated for 21 Juno Awards during his career, and he's won four. He released his solo debut, Avalanche, in 2003, and the album featured major stylistic differences from those recorded with the previous band. Um, honestly, like, I personally can't tell the difference between Matthew Good and Matthew Good Band. Like, I'm not going to... It's you know, It's like... It's like Wings and Paul McCartney. Like, I can't tell the difference. You know, whatever. Um... So uh, his second solo album, White Light Rock and Roll Review, was released on 
in t- 2004 and singles included alert status red and it's been a while since i was your man and alert status red is probably my favorite of his songs again when i started listening to it i was like possessed by the spirit of canada and uh i remembered every single word Um, the video for this song, uh, there was some controversy involved. So they, he had recorded it, the, the video and everything. He was unhappy with how it turned out. So he turned it over to a guy he had previously worked with, uh, who included, unbeknownst to Matthew Good, surveillance footage from the Columbine High School shootings. Oh. Yeah. Um, they weren't, it was like it kind of innocuous surveillance footage. Like it wasn't like of the shootings or whatever. And it was just kind of like flashes, but it was taken down initially um, because they found out that that's what it was, but they eventually like put it back up. I think later that same year or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, like that's a choice. And then he was like, yeah. Um, he has struggled with severe mental health issues. It should be mentioned. And he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2006. Uh, he is also a prolific writer and political commentator. He was thought to have coined the term first world problems. But really? That was, but that was actually G.K. Payne, who used that term back in the 70s. Oh. In, <laughs> uh, in September of 2013, he took to the stage at Toronto's TEDx conference to speak about his creative life and his pi- bipolar diagnosis in his presentation entitled Balancing Mental Health and Genius. Uh, it should be mentioned that in February of this year, he was dropped by his record label and management after mental abuse allegations by an ex-partner. Hmm. So, something to keep in mind. Oh, boy. So, our penultimate band that we're going to be talking about today is called Great Big C. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a Canadian folk rock band formed in 93 from Newfoundland and Labrador, best known for performing energetic rock interpretations of traditional Newfoundland folk songs, including sea shanties, which draw from the island's 500-year Irish, Scottish, and Cornish heritage. So they're a real band? Great Big C is a real-ass band. How would I think they weren't real? Um, well, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're as real as you and me, Julia. <laughs> well, they were, at least. Um, this is... Ordinary day. Times I lose. I've been battered, but I never bruise. It's not so bad. Yeah. And I say, wait, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary yeah. day. Yeah. And it's Why do I, know? I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm sure it was. So, um, they were very successful in Canada, as you can imagine. They had 11 of their albums certified gold in the country, including four being certified platinum and two achieving multi-platinum certifications. They were the 16th best-selling Canadian artist in Canada and the sixth best, best, the sixth best-selling Canadian band in Canada. Uh, they're currently retired. Uh, they released 10 albums together with the latest being XX in 2012. Uh, this song was used at like a political rally in Canada without their permission and they sued. Um, it's, you know, as you can imagine, it's like, it's the kind of like nice light poppy yeah. Canadian sounding song. So on a sidebar, yeah. What instruments do they use in a sea shanty? Mm. What do you got? I would say, mm, I would say a hurdy gurdy. Stop it. I'm not kidding. I would say um I would say a guitar that you can slap for a for a percussive aspect. Um I would say maybe a a, a pipe whistle. Yeah, like a tin <laughs> Yeah, like a tin, a tin whistle. whistle. A tin All whistle. Right. Right. You know? A little like little sound of the sea, a little doodly doot, you know. <laughs> I think we're halfway to a we're halfway to a sea shanty. Yeah, to like bringing back Great Big Sea. Just you and me. All right, and finally, I'm going to talk about my favorite Canadian band, and that's the Tragically Hip, which is, I mean, apropos of nothing, that's a great band name. 
the tragically hip. I guess I don't get it. It's just it's just a good band name. They're tragically hip. Anyway, they're they're also referred simply to, as the hip. Like, oh yeah, the hip are playing at at Art Park. We're gonna go see it. Uh, they were formed formed in Kingston, Ontario, in 1984. They consisted of vocalist Gord Downey, guitarist Paul Langlois, guitarist Rob Baker, and uh, bassist Gord Sinclair and drummer Johnny Fay. Two Gords, two gar- Gords in the same band. Yeah. Uh, they released 13 studio albums, one live album, one EP, and over 50 singles over a 33-year career. Uh, nine of their albums have reached number one on the Canadian charts. They've received numerous Canadian music awards, including 16 Juno Awards. They were the best-selling Canadian band in Canada and the fourth best-selling Canadian artist overall in Canada between 96 and 2016. Um, despite being beloved in Canada, like beloved mm-hmm. like no one has ever yep. beloved Any Canadian before. I've ever met loves the hip and they toured frequently around the country to sold out audiences they never really broke into the US right um, except with small groupings of devoted fans in border cities like Detroit and Buffalo um, in 1995 on the follow up tour for Day for Night the band made its only appearance on Saturday Night Live Oh, wow. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Thanks in large part to the finagling of fellow Canadian and Kingston area resident Dan Aykroyd, who appeared on the show just to introduce them. Aw. Uh, Aykroyd, who is a fan of the band, had personally lobbied SNL showrunner Lorne Michaels to book them as a musical guest. Uh, the performance on the show was one of their highest profile media appearances in the United States. Um, so before I keep going, we're going to. We're going to play Ahead by a the Century, tragic, which is a great You're a musical guest. <laughs> the wow. Tragically hit. That is such a good impression. I feel like I'm on SNL right now or watching wow. SNL. Okay, here we go. They're not a jam band, are they? No. Suspiciously like a jam band. <laughs> they are not a jam band. Um, Gord Downey was an incredible songwriter. Just great lyrics. And this was one of their biggest hits. It was Ahead by a Century. I feel like there were two chords in the same band. <laughs> um, so... In 2016, the band announced that Downey had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Mm-hmm. He had a glioblastoma. Uh, the band also announced that despite his condition, they would uh, they would tour that summer for the, their 13th album, which was called Man Machine Poem. Um, that was released in, on, in June of 2016. And the final concert of the Man Machine Poem tour was held at Rogers K-Rock Center in the band's hometown of Kingston on August 20th, 2016. This was the last time Gord Downey performed in public. Mm-hmm. Um, the concert was attended by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is a huge fan of Tragically Hip. Why wouldn't he be? Um, the concert was aired by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation as a live cross-platform broadcast on CBC Television, CBC Radio 1, CBC Radio 2, CBC Music, and YouTube. The concert featured 30 songs and three encore sets, with the band finishing with a performance of Ahead by a Century. Three encores? Yes. So the CBC's broadcast and live streaming of the concert, uninterrupted by advertisements, was watched by 11.7 million people, which is one-third of the Canadian population, (laughs) and I was one of them. So it was only supposed to be for like two hours. It was a live set. There were like thousands of people who were like playing at the center, and they were already going to do it without any ads. Mm -hmm. But once it like passed the two hour mark, there were people like tweeting at the CBC, like, please don't cut off the feed. Like we want to keep watching. (laughs) And the CBC had to release like a statement. They were like, if the hip are still playing, we are still recording. Like, do not worry. There will be no commercial breaks. We are watching Gord Downey. Um, I cried. It was beautiful. At one point he played this, they played the song scared, which includes the lyric. I've got to go. It's been a pleasure doing business with you which is like the last lyric of the song. And he put his hand up and he faced every portion of the crowd 
and he's saying it was a pleasure doing business with you like a, like 17 times and everyone's like screaming and crying and laugh like it was just like live laugh love the best thing ever it was <laughs> it was amazing um he died almost a year later and um like every radio station in Canada switched to an all tragically hip format mm-hmm. I mean, there were statements put out. People played ahead, like some radio stations just played ahead by a century on loop all day long. Like it was a nat when he died, it was a national tragedy. It was incredible. Um, I'm so glad I got to see it. It was amazing. A um, couple of songs I have to mention. Lake Fever is a wonderful song. Um, I've at a, in my Buffalo episode, I mentioned at the hundredth Meridian, whenever they play that song in Buffalo, because there's a lyric, I remember, I remember Buffalo. Every time he sang that people would lose their minds. That's us. We're Buffalo. <laughs> That's, us. That's us. He remembers us. <laughs> like it is crazy. Um, the song scared. I mean, and of course I had by a century. My music at work is great. Um, when they released, we are the same, which came out in 2009. I was working at <laughs> at the time. And that sorry. was, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, we'll have to bleep that out. <laughs> uh, when I worked at a little bookstore called Schmarns and Bubble, um, that was the only album in the whole like run that we could play. You know, like they give you a certain amount that you had to like advertise. Yeah. That was the only album that everyone agreed on listening to <laughs> on loop. Like the goth girl, the yeah. jock the you know music nerd like all the old ladies at cash rap everybody was like no 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 put on we are the same again that album rules like it is so universally beloved and they're just like such a good band and gord downey made it incredible also gord downey released a lot of solo albums during his career as well he provide he did a whole concept album about a young native canadian boy who died after being abducted and then he was like trying to make his way home and he like died on the way home. He did a lot of things for like indigenous Canadian Mm -hmm. people. Um, He drew a lot of attention to like their plight. He was just like, for all intents and purposes, just an incredible person. Mm -hmm. Um, And the band was again, like I said, just so beloved that they just could not go wrong no matter what. Um, But yeah, tragically hip. I'll listen to tragically hip any day of the week. So I put a bunch of tragically hip on the album, on the playlist as well. So definitely check that out. Misinformation, colon, border favorites by me. I hope you enjoy it. It's great. But yeah, Julia, I think you would like Jan Arden. I'm not kidding. I think you would really like it. So my quiz today (laughs) is called Border Favorites, a quiz on things that Canada is famous for. Question number one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you right here. Sure, please. Uh, we just got our snack crate for the month. Oh yeah, from Josh's work, and um, it's Canada, mm. baby. So I am. That's exciting. I am ready to go. Oh okay. All right, all right, all right. So question number one. You may be surprised to learn that the original six are not the original hockey teams in the NHL. The NHL, founded in 1917, had a lineup of teams that were continually in flux during the first two-plus decades of existence, all in Canada, naturally. However, there are four teams that are considered the first. What were the first four teams in professional ice hockey? Question number two. Canadians are famous for their unfailing politeness. They get all their anger out during hockey games, apparently. This author may have been inspired by them, although she was born in Baltimore, and not only wrote the book on etiquette, but also published several novels, stories, and serials throughout her lifetime. Who is this well-mannered writer? Question number three. Here's an easy one for the Canada files, or just border folk. What is the name of the Canadian dish consisting of French fries, gravy, and cheese curds? Question number four. In 2012, a group of thieves in Quebec did the unthinkable and stole $18.7 million worth of the Great White North's most precious resource. The thieves were eventually caught, but their bounty was never recovered. What did these terrible men steal? Question number five, true or false, you can find polar bears in Canada. Question number six, I'm sure I've asked this before, but unbeknownst to many, Niagara Falls is plural, as there are three separate waterfalls, and they have names. What are the names of the Niagara Falls? 
Question number seven. The Aurora Borealis, or Northern Lights, can be seen in many parts of Canada, as well as Norway, Greenland, etc. But this is a quiz about Canada. They can occur at any time of day or night, but we can only see them when it's dark. Even though it seems extraterrestrial, the display is actually a distortion in our Earth's what? Question number eight. The CN Tower is a landmark of Canada's capital, Toronto, located in the city's downtown core. Built on the former railway lands, it was named for the railway company that built it. What does the CN in CN Tower stand for? Question number nine. The Canadian flag, a vertical tri-band of red and white with the red maple leaf centered on the white band, is an iconic symbol of the country. But when was it adopted into use? A. 1764. B. 1864. Or C. 1964. And finally, question number 10. We all know that Drake is mighty proud of his Toronto heritage, but music wasn't his first foray into stardom. On what spinoff of a beloved Canadian and border TV show did he start his career? We'll give you a minute to think about it, and we'll be back with your answers. About a lot less food than I thought you yeah. would. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I did at least two questions on food, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. All right, question number one. You may be surprised to learn that the original six are not the original hockey teams in the NHL. The NHL, founded in 1917, had a lineup of teams that were continually in flux during the first two-plus decades of existence, all in Canada, naturally. However, there are four teams that are considered the first. What were the first four teams in professional ice hockey? Montreal Maroons. No. All right. <laughs> I can't. You don't want to. No. Okay. We got the Montreal Wanderers, the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Arenas, and the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the NHL did have a fifth franchise, the Quebec Bulldogs. However, it was inactive and they didn't play any games. Um, the NHL was not the first professional hockey league in North America. There were a number, a number of professional leagues that preceded the NHL. The most relevant to this discussion of the four original hockey teams was the NHA, or the National Hockey Association, because three of the four teams that started with the NHL in 1917 were part of the NHA. And these three teams, which were the Canadians, the Wanderers, and the Senators, did not start with the beginning of the NHL, but existed as amateur or professional teams of the leagues prior to the start of the NHL. Um, The NHL was created because the owners of three of the teams didn't want to be partners or be in the same professional league with David Livingston, who was the owner of the Toronto franchise of the NHA. So they basically (laughs) took their teams out of the NHA and formed their own without him. And they, they wanted the NHL to just be temporary. They were just kind of like waiting for him to like, I don't know, die Die. or something. But they added a fourth team in Toronto and the league and the original four were born. So that's, (laughs) that's like the very short, version of like why the NHL came to be. Okay. Question number two, Canadians are famous for their unfailing politeness. They get all their anger out during hockey games. Of course, this author may have been inspired by them, although she was born in Baltimore and not only wrote the book on etiquette, but also published several novels, stories, and serials throughout her lifetime. Who is this well-mannered writer? It's Emily Post. It is Emily Post. Um, she didn't write her most famous book until she was 50. 
in, in 1946, she founded the Emily Post Institute, which continues her work. Well, she had to learn all the etiquette. Yeah, before exactly. Before she could write the book. She couldn't write the book at like 24. Nah. I mean, come on. What are we? Please. Question number three. Here's an easy one for the Canada files or just border folk. What is the name of the Canadian dish consisting of French fries, gravy, and cheese curds? Uh, it's possibly one of the best foods out of Canada. It is. Poutine. It is poutine. Uh, apparently in Quebecois, it's pronounced poutine. I know. All right. Um, it was created in the 1950s, big surprise, uh, in Quebec. And for many years, it was perceived negatively and mocked and even used by some to stigmatize Quebec <gasps> society. Uh, poutine later became celebrated as a symbol of Quebecois culture in the province of Quebec. Um, it has long been associated with Quebec cuisine, and its rise in prominence has led to popularity throughout the rest of Canada, in the northern United States, and internationally. Um, annual poutine celebrations occur in Montreal, Quebec City, and Drummondville, as well as Toronto, Ottawa, New Hampshire, and Chicago. Uh, it has been called Canada's national dish. Uh, P.S. The Wikipedia article for, perti- for poutine is absolutely bananas. And I'm going to read you an excerpt. Okay. Okay, here we go. The texture, temperature, and viscosity of poutine's ingredients differ and continuously change as the food is consumed, making it a dish of highly dynamic contrasts. Strengthening these contrasts, superior poutines are identified by the crispness of the fries, the freshness of the curds, and a unifying gravy. Even small variations in ingredients or preparation, the oil used for frying, the origin of the curds, or spices in the gravy, can result in a distinctly different experience of eating the poutine. And it goes on like that for paragraphs. It's, please do yourself a favor and just go to Wikipedia and open up poutine. It's a, also, it's a guys, journey. If you think it sounds disgusting, you're wrong. It's delicious. And it's delicious. Um, we have a food truck around here in Rochester that also does a vegan version. Yeah. They use um, vegan gravy and then like vegan cheese curds. And it's still delicious. And it's delicious. Yeah. It's called the poutine truck. You get like a little cardboard like thing. Le petit poutine. And they're, I mean, I, I could eat poutine every day. All right. Question number four. In 2012, a group of thieves in Quebec did the unthinkable and sold $18.7 million worth of the Great White North's most precious resource. The thieves were eventually caught, but their bounty was never recovered. What did these terrible men steal? (sighs) That was maple syrup. It was maple syrup, and it was 3,000 tons of maple syrup. Which you would think would be hard Difficult. hide. So Hard to steal, hard to hide. Right? So here's the thing. It was stolen from the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup, which is an organization. Their, like reserve, right? Yeah, it's basically the reserve. It's an organization that fixes maple syrup prices, imposes production quotas on producers, and enforces other regulations. At $2,000 per barrel, which was at the time around 13 times the price of crude oil, oh. <laughs> it was obviously a very significant theft. Um, so the plot involved stealing well over 9,000 barrels of syrup with tractor trailers, taking them to a sugar shack, mm emptying the barrels and then filling them up with water. (gasps) So the plan was initially successful since the team only siphoned the barrels from the global reserve. So the deed went unnoticed at first. And after a year, some of the water filled barrels started to rust and (laughs) thus that raised the alarm. So they had plenty of time to distribute it. Wait with it. If it weren't for the meddling water, water. Yeah. Oxidization, I guess. Mm. Um, But yeah, so they had plenty of time to get rid of it or eat it, you know, Maybe they just had pancakes every day. Okay, question number five. True or false, you can find polar bears in Canada. Uh, you know what? I hate true or false. <laughs> it's a 50-50, my dude. <laughs> I know. I I want to say like in like the in the territories they have them, so I'm going to say it. True. You are correct. Okay. Canada is home to approximately Ooh. 60% of the world's polar bears, which is a lot. Over yeah. half. Yeah. Okay. Question number six, I'm sure I've asked this before, but unbeknownst to many, Niagara Falls is plural, as there are three separate waterfalls, and they all have names. What are the names of the Niagara Falls? Rainbow. No. That's the bridge. Yes. Horseshoe. Yes. Canadian. Uh, American. Horseshoe. Uh, Canada. <laughs> United States. Horseshoe. Um, are you going to let me? <laughs> uh, bu- 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 I really thought it was the Canadian and the American. Okay, what is it? <laughs> okay, you are you I've are only been there once. Two thirds right. You have the American Falls. Mm-hmm. You have the Canadian Falls, also known as Horseshoe Falls. Oh, the Canadian ones are known as Horseshoe Falls. Yeah. Okay. 
and Bridal Veil. Oh, Bridal Veil yeah. Falls. Yeah, they're smaller. Um, so, I mean, obviously I could... What is Victorian name? Bridal Veil? I know, it really is. Um, I could easily do an entire episode on the falls, honestly. There's so much weird lore. Haven't you? I didn't. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, why haven't I done an episode on Niagara Falls? Is I want to bet, because Josh thought he was convinced you'd done a David Bowie episode mm. already. He was no, convinced. No, I didn't. Absolutely convinced we already did this. And I said, no, we haven't. Go well, ahead, he up. doesn't listen to the podcast, so, you know. Um, yeah, I, I probably will in the future. There's lots of cool history. Buffalo episode? I'm sure I mentioned it at least. I mean, it's not in Buffalo, so maybe I mentioned it. Huh? Um, FYI, the best view of the falls is on the Canadian side. Mm -hmm. Um, the best way to see it like up close and personal is on the American side because there's a park. Yeah. Um, also it's when you go there on the American side, there's not as much like fun, cool stuff to do as there is on the Canadian side, like the Canadian side that's like there's um, Clifton Hill where you can go to like Madame Tussauds and go out and have like a burger. There's like a hard rock cafe there. It's very like, like very commercial. Mm -hmm. And on the American side, it's like, womp womp. But um, the American side is where people tend to like get in. That's where they get in. Like that's the where falls. they, the falls. That's, mm -hmm. that's where they, they commit suicide. It's a very popular suicide spot. Um, cause if you're going to go, you might as well go out in a big way. Um, but apparently, and I don't know if this is anecdotal or if this is true, but, um, if it, it's just a park, like there's not like a fence keeping you from getting into the falls. Like it seems like you could just walk over and just like dump yourself in. But apparently if you start walking towards the falls, some parks department person will just like magically appear out of the bushes to prevent you. Like they keep an eye out to make sure that people oh, aren't just like nice. dumping themselves into the falls. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a hazard. Yeah. I got to do an episode on Niagara Falls. Okay. Question number seven, the Aurora Borealis or Northern lights can be seen in many parts of Canada as well as Norway, Greenland, etc. But this is a quiz about Canada. They can occur at any time of day or night, but we can only see them when it's dark. Even though it seems extraterrestrial, the display is actually a distortion in our earth's what? Is it not atmosphere? That's I mean, a different word than atmosphere. Maybe a little bit more specific than okay. atmosphere. Troposphere. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something that we have that keeps stuff the gravitational. <laughs> it's our it's our magnetic field. It's our magnetic field. Magnetic. <laughs> yeah. So when a solar wind reaches the earth, it causes a distortion in the magnetic field. So apparently most of the charged particles are deflected away, but some make it into the atmosphere close to the two magnetic poles and the collision of the charged particles and the gases in our atmosphere cause the light, which is a release of photon energy. I saw the Northern lights when I was living in Gasport one summer. What? Yeah. They were green. They were beautiful. I mean, it certainly wasn't like you see the photos. Like it was oh, just kind yeah. of like some light shimmering. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, wow. I think it, they apparently got it pretty just set the far south. Plant down the no. <laughs> I mean, it may have been. Down the canal. It made the news. Oh, such a big deal. Okay. Question number eight. The CN Tower is a landmark of Canada's capital, Toronto, located in the city's downtown core built on the former railway lands it was named for the railway company that built it what does the cn and cn tower stand for i've never even thought about this uh i'm gonna guess canadian national you are absolutely correct you know what uh all those times touring train yep. places there you go handy absolutely i had i did not think about that ever until i was nope. like i wonder what the cn in the CN Tower actually stands for. So you were not the only one. It was finished in 1976. It held the record for the world's tallest freestanding structure for 32 years until 2007 when it was surpassed by the Burj Khalifa. And it was the world's tallest tower until 2009 when it was surpassed by the Canton Tower in China. It is currently the ninth tallest, which is, you know, nothing to sniff at. It is 1,815.3 feet or 553.3 meters. Question number nine. The Canadian flag, a vertical tri-band of red and white with the red maple leaf centered on the white band, is an iconic symbol of the country, but when was it adopted into use? A, 1764, B, 1864, or C, 1964? I know it was late, so I'm going to say 1964. You are correct. 
1964, Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson formed a committee to resolve the ongoing issue of the lack of an official Canadian flag, sparking a serious debate about a flag change to replace the Union flag. Out of the three choices, the maple leaf designed by George Stanley, who was an historian and author, based the flag on the Royal Military College of Canada, and that was selected. Uh, the flag made its first official appearance on February 15th, 1965, and the date is now celebrated annually as National Flag of Canada Day. And finally, question number 10. We all know that Drake is mighty proud of his Toronto heritage, but music wasn't his first foray into stardom. On what spinoff of a beloved Canadian and border TV show did he start his career? Degrassi. Colon. Yes. The Next Generation. Absolutely spot on. He was on 100 episodes as Jimmy Brooks, a basketball star who becomes physically disabled he after being shot, shot by shot. Yeah, by shot by a classmate. Yeah. We watch, I've watched that. Oh, did episode, you really? I think. Yeah. I mean, Josh did a great job with Mr. Information on, on that. So I had to do a little. What little. a wonderful job talking about our neighbors to the north. Our neighbors to the north, who and I miss. I can't wait to visit them again. I can't wait to visit you guys again. You know, I was just thinking about you guys today. I was like, man, I miss Canada. And we drank all of our plum wine. Mm. And I just need to get back there and get some of that good, good wine so and good visit our Kit friends. Cats. Oh, so many good Kit Kats. So many good. That Candies. candy store. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Terrific. Corinne, can you get us over? <laughs> yeah. You Corinne. Sponsor. Corinne. You sponsor us. Corinne, could you sponsor us? We'll get in a boat and like, you know, paddle over and she can hide us in the under dark of night. So, <laughs> but yeah, check out the, um, uh, my, <laughs> my vanity, uh, playlist on Spotify if you so choose, but definitely Jan Arden. I'm just, mm. and the tragically yeah. hip. I mean, honestly, any of those you'd be good for. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you, Lauren. Oh, thank you, Julia. Um, so we've joked before, and I mean, I know that I say this a lot is that like doing an episode of this podcast is like doing a book report each week. Um, some episodes take a little longer than others yeah. to prepare. Like some, like for the Fleetwood Mac episode, I probably spent twenty hours on yeah. that Fleetwood Mac episode. Yeah, that's a part time um, job. So, <laughs> just <laughs> for being totally transparent with you, this was episode one hundred ninety nine, and it is the one hundred ninety ninth episode of our season one of Misinformation. Yes, so we podcast. are coming to. Our so season finale. Our next episode is our season one finale. And then we are going to take a hiatus. Um, you know, or we hope that everybody has a terrific summer. Yeah. Getting out there, being safe, getting to see family and friends that Absolutely. you haven't seen in a while. Um, hopefully getting back to some semblance of normalcy yeah. safely, of course. Um, so yeah, just look just wanted to let you guys know. Um and yeah, look forward to to our season one finale. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited week. about it. And we will still be available on Facebook and Twitter. We will still be maintaining our social media. So, you know, yeah. we will not be disappearing off the face of the earth. We will just be no. taking a hiatus. Taking, taking a hiatus because life is busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you really want to distill it down, <laughs> that's true. Life is very busy and it yeah. has been very busy for us. So, um, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for, for sticking with us throughout our entire season one. It's been fun and weird and uh, yeah. we totally appreciate you. Some podcast season one is only six episodes long. What? Yeah. What? Like who? Like plenty of podcasts. Ew. What? Yeah. We Tenfold are providing more wicked with six episodes in season one. Like, see, here's the thing. We are providing high quality weekly content for 200 episodes and they do a season one with only six episodes. Forget it. I mean, come on. Well, you know, you got to hand it to us. Clearly, That's what I'm saying. We're clearly better than them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to say right there. That's exactly. what you're hyping I, me up for. I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, so uh, we will see what our season finale next week. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.